Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business and the humans in it. I'm your host Ivan Stegich. In this episode of the podcast, Steve Persh, lead developer advocate at Pantheon. Steve's been on Drupal.org for at least 11 years, and before Pantheon, he was at Palantir in Chicago. Steve, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I guess I just missed my Drupal birthday again. The last one I remembered was 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it looked like more than 11 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense for what I was doing 11 years ago. <laughs> How many versions ago is that? Well, I got into Drupal with 5. I think 5.0 was the current version when I started working with Drupal. I think that's when I started too. It was let's see, 11 years ago would be 2007, so that's when that's when 10.7 exists or was founded. So that would have been Drupal 5 for us as well, I think. Yeah, I I'd, I'd worked with WordPress for a little bit before that and the first time I remember distinctly hearing the word Drupal was at an Arts and Business Council of Chicago event. I was on a panel speaking about some WordPress sites I'd made for a theater company. And one of the questions from the audience was basically, WordPress seems to work for these blogs that you've talked about. What what would be used for something more complex? And someone else on the panel said, well, obviously <laughs> Drupal is the thing for that. And I, I made a mental note started looking into Drupal because I knew I wanted to be building more complex sites. So tell me more about that those WordPress sites that you'd been involved in prior to that. How did how did you get introduced to WordPress? I got introduced to WordPress because I was well, I wasn't asked. I, I volunteered myself to build some blogs for a theater company when I was in college. Between my junior and senior year, I had a summer internship with the Looking Glass Theater Company in Chicago. Uh, it's a, a prominent theater company that came out of the, the college that I was going to. I was super into what they were producing, very happy to have an artistic department internship, which mainly meant things like filing headshots and running auditions, things like that. And about three weeks into the summer internship, I heard one of the artistic directors just kind of muse aloud that they really should have a blog because that was the thing to have back then. In the 90s, they had produced a physical zine, and this artistic director, I think, was missing that kind of creativity and wanted a blog and I had just taken a class on web development so I volunteered myself and basically that summer changed from regular artistic department internship to Steve figures out how to build WordPress sites by the end of the summer. And that was WordPress early on I would imagine version two maybe? Yeah version two something. Two mm -hmm. something wow um, so you're obviously uh studying some sort of art degree then yeah i was a theater major at the time wow a theater major and now you are a lead developer advocate that's that's almost as crazy an arc as drew's i know uh, well i think there are a lot of people in the drupal community with a similar arc of basically being the person at some kind of organization who somehow became responsible for the website or volunteered themselves to be responsible for the website and then just kept going from there. Uh, I think for certainly myself, and I think a lot of people in the Drupal community, the web development career path looked more appealing than whatever was the other career path. 
So let's actually take a step back. I want to find out um, where you were born and where you grew up. So prior to landing in the WordPress development business in uh, Liberal Arts College, where did you grow up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I spent almost all my life very close to Lake Michigan. So I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, same home all the way from birth through graduating high school uh, and then to uh, Northwestern University in Evanston, just north of Chicago, uh, then moved to Chicago for uh, seven years or so, back to Milwaukee for four years, and now in Minneapolis. So it's tried and tested Midwesterner. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Love the That's Midwest. awesome. I love it too. So you went to high school in a town in Milwaukee, um, made a move to Northwestern, and studied liberal arts. And you did an internship at a theater company, and somehow this led to comedy sports, right? I saw that in your bio as well. Co- comedy sports was, yeah, comedy sports was was even earlier. So comedy sports is uh, an improv company that started in Milwaukee. There are branches all, all over the country, though. Uh, the way I like to explain comedy sports for people who aren't familiar with it is by referencing whose line is it anyway. Pretty much everyone is uh, has seen that at some point in time. And on that show, they say everything's made up and the points don't matter. But in comedy sports, the points do matter. It's the same kind of short-form improv, but it's done as a faux competition. Basically, there are three people on two different teams, a red team and a blue team, and they're competing for audience laughs and points and things like that. And this was in high school? Started in high school, yeah. I, I, was, uh, I first saw it when I was in grade school, and the... The high school comedy sports team came to visit my grade school and do a show, and I thought, that looks amazing. I want to do that. Uh, it further confirmed my choice of high school. Uh, I decided to go to the, the same Catholic high school that my parents had gone to. Uh, my brothers decided to go to a, a different Catholic high school in the area, but I wanted to go to the one that had a much stronger arts program uh, and was also co-ed. That was a, a factor in the decision. So unlike me, you saw them do improv and you thought, cool, I totally want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and my, I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, wow, that's really scary. I don't know how I could do that. Um, I should probably do that to put myself outside of my little comfort zone. Um, mm-hmm. What was attractive about it? I think... What was attractive about it for me was knowing that it was outside of my comfort zone, that it would push me to do something that wasn't very natural. There are a lot of people in improv who are natural extroverts, and doing improv is just kind of a natural extension of their normal personality. For me, it it was more of an effort. Like it, it took me outside of my comfort zone, but it was, it was something that could be practiced. It was, uh, at least in, in comedy sports, something very structured, so it... it is of course loose and comedic and you're making things up but especially with short form improv there there is a lot of structure there that i could hang on to and feel like i knew what was going on the the structure to be sounds really interesting to be put around something that's supposed to be unstructured mm-hmm. yeah as i one thing i've noticed in in doing i did improv you know, starting in high school age 15 or something through I was heavily involved in improv really all the way through uh, my time in, in Chicago, which ended in 2014, and then coming back to Milwaukee in 2014. I did start performing at Comedy Sports again for about a year uh, and trailed off as I started uh, the job at Pantheon and 
uh, had a baby, basically other things became more important. But in all through that time, I found that people not doing improv assumed that there must be some trick to it, that, that we must be planning something out in advance. Uh, but it's not the content that gets planned out in advance. You don't uh, meet backstage and say, all right, we're going to do a scene about a baker and the baker is going to go on a journey or something like that. You might talk about the the pace at which you want to play. You might talk about the the styles or or techniques, the improv techniques that you want to use, but the, the content uh, is is always made up on the spot. And do you think it's helped you, uh, or how do you think it's helped you with your professional career? And I've seen you give very many talks. I'm always impressed by how eloquent you are. I've seen you on panels before. I, they must be related to the training you've had in improv at comedy sports. Absolutely. The the improv training gives me confidence to get on stage without a full plan. And maybe that's not always a good thing. Maybe uh, maybe I should be stepping on stage at a, at a conference or something with, with more of a plan. But it, it does help just reduce that anxiety that I, I know I would be feeling and, and do still feel speaking at a conference or, or speaking at different work events. I still feel that anxiety to some degree, but knowing that I have that improv background gives me more confidence to just start and just do it. So spending time in the theater, you started getting involved in WordPress. How long were you in WordPress before that panel discussion and someone mentioned Drupal? Did, did Drupal become something serious to you? Uh, about a year. So it was the summer of 2006 where I was starting with that WordPress site, launched by fall of 2006, maintained those sites for a little while. And basically that, that senior year of college was a transition for me. I finished all my graduation requirements in fall and just kind of pretended to be an undergrad <laughs> through June. Uh, continued with my improv group, produced and, and directed a play, did all of the undergrad activities, just didn't go to any classes other than my, my acting class. Uh, and it, that then gave me more free time to take on web work on the side. So I, uh, during that year, I maintained a static HTML site, which gave me a great appreciation for server-side languages. <laughs> Hearing Drew mention maintaining like uh, 5,000 static pages, I thought, oh yeah, that was that was formative for me too, <laughs> having to maintain the static HTML website for the theater company that was however many hundreds of pages and seeing, oh, there are menus that are kind of the same but inconsistent, presumably because no one was paying too close of attention and now it's my job to pay attention to such things and I'll put in PHP includes and eventually just switch it over to Drupal. So it was about a year, I guess, of, of thinking WordPress is the thing to switching to Drupal is the thing that's going to help me build what I need to build. And was that about the same time you started at Palantir or was there something in between there? Uh, four years, four years in between. So I was a, a freelancer for a number of years uh, did some subcontracting. Started with a company called Mighty Bytes, B Y T E S. In exactly, <laughs> gotta have those pun names. Right. Uh, started there in in 2009 and worked on what for me then was the, the biggest website that I had ever worked on. It was uh, a music startup. Uh, I don't think it's around anymore. Called Music Dealers. Basically, the idea was. If you are a, an independent music producer or band or singer or, or whatever, you can upload your MP3s to the site. Music dealers will then try to sell that to McDonald's or film producers, basically anyone making commercials, television, movies. 
and they'll just give you a direct 50-50 cut of, uh, of the royalties. And that was, a, that was an education in complex websites, kind of trial by fire. Yeah, and so then you started at Chicago in uh, at Palantir in Chicago, and I know you're the two years later. Two years later, mm -hmm. okay. And um, had you ever contributed to Drupal.org before starting at Palantir? Like, how soon did you start? In bits and pieces. So in the in that time at Mighty Bytes, I was the Drupal guy, and I, I would go to Drupal meetups, and I I spoke at Drupal Camp Chicago in 2008. So I, I did have some community uh, role and, and a few minor patches, but I, I, I kind of felt intimidated knowing that there were companies out there like Palantir who had developers who, uh, at least by appearance, were, were much deeper in Drupal, knew much more than me. And uh, there, looking back, there were things that I, I was working on at Mighty Bytes that I could have, should have uh, contributed back to Drupal.org, but for whatever reason... I thought, well, maybe this this isn't just this isn't good enough yet. I, I need to work on it more, and it you know, would never get contributed. Uh, but at uh, at San Francisco, DrupalCon San Francisco in in 2010, that was the first first time I distinctly remember getting that really positive contributor feel. Uh, someone from the White House was there, and they showed a list of modules that. Uh, the White House was using, and one of those modules was a module that I had a patch in, oh. and that that feeling of oh wow the the what I mean it was a, a tiny tiny patch uh, in rules module, but just knowing that I had contributed to a piece of something that was inside of the White House was um, very satisfying, and and basically gave me the the Drupal bug even stronger than I had it then. Yeah, there's something about being able to contribute code and it actually being used in production and affecting people's lives that, that really makes you stop and think about, you know, the real power of open source and, and what we've created in this ecosystem. Yeah. And so you're, you're at Palantir and Workbench is this thing you start working on. Is that, was that, was that a problem that uh, Palantir was trying to fix by introducing Workbench? Like how, what's the genesis of, of that idea? Sure. So I, I joined Palantir the month before DrupalCon Chicago, where Workbench launched. So I started in February 2011. Workbench was basically getting polished up internally. Essentially, it's a, a suite of modules that helps with content workflow and, and governance. So it basically provided a, a better landing page dashboard for people who are signing into the site to work on the content, basically an improvement over that admin slash content view that you get by default. And in addition to that, that base module of, of Workbench, that was basically just that uh, landing page set of, of views and a, a, a grid sort of thing, there was Workbench moderation, which was meant for publishing workflows, a, a draft needs review published sort of workflow, and then Workbench access, which allowed for different content editors to have permission to different sections of the site. So uh, it was made because there were, I think, three major projects running simultaneously at, at Palantir before I joined. Uh, a university, a museum, and 
well, maybe two universities. I'm not quite sure. But a couple of large institutions that, that needed those things, needed the ability to section off different parts of the site so that only the appropriate people could edit pages, and they needed a, uh, an approval process by which people could move from draft to needs review to published and possibly additional custom states. So uh, when, I, when I joined Palantir, pretty much everything was written. There was some testing to do, some cleanup to do, and I was basically able to spend my first month on the job uh, leading up to DrupalCon Chicago, uh, finishing off a, a couple patches, um, adding some documentation, I think, and uh, and starting to to think ahead towards what additional functionality might go into these modules. It's quite an exciting time to be joining a company when it's releasing a new site or releasing a new module, and sh and the DrupalCon is in the same city as where you're based. Yeah, it, it went from DrupalCon San Francisco feeling like I'm not quite fully in this community. I, I kind of felt like a, a bit of an outsider at, at DrupalCon San Francisco in 2010 to then being hired at the company that the owners of Palantir were the co-chairs of DrupalCon Chicago. Of course, Palantir at the time had uh, a ton of people who were top contributors and uh, had a, a bunch of sessions going on at, at DrupalCon Chicago, so it felt like uh, a, f a fast track to to the inside. Uh, Ken Rickard, the author of Domain Access, was one of the uh, main authors of Workbench Access. Uh, so, yeah, for my first week on the job, he flew into Chicago from Georgia and basically uh, started mentoring me, uh, getting me ready to contribute to those modules. I had never used Git before, so that was, uh, that was something I had to learn quickly. That's a major thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, that that's my advice for for learning Git. Uh, just just start, just start, and don't go back. Uh, yeah, I I sometimes reference Git as an easy thing to learn when I talk with other developers, and I they look at me funny, and I think, well, okay, I guess it was easier for me because it was just a hard transition from SVN at my old job to all Git at the new job, and I could always uh, you know, lean over the cubicle wall and ask uh, ask somebody for help if I needed it. Yeah, I remember the the days of SVN and CVS even before that and boy, those were those were tough days. I I was so glad when we discovered Git and decided to just standardize on that. Yeah, everything got faster and easier. Yeah, absolutely. But my my first version control was uh, was just Dreamweaver check-in check-out. <laughs> I think that still exists, doesn't it? It must exist. Oh, it, it must. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so fast forward to Minneapolis um, with a stop in Milwaukee in between, and you're now at Pantheon, and you're not just exercising your Drupal skills, you're actually bringing back all the WordPress things you learned long ago as well, right? I am, yeah. So at Pantheon, we're a platform for both Drupal and WordPress development. So it's nice to to play in both worlds. In fact, at at uh, the past couple of Drupal cons, I've done WordPress focused sessions. At at DrupalCon 2016, I did lessons from WordPress Core with Andrew Taylor, one of my coworkers. And then this year, we did Andrew and I did another session on the Gutenberg editor that's coming uh, to WordPress Core. Do you spend any time at WordPress conferences talking about Drupal? I try to. I don't think I've gotten any of those sessions accepted myself, but plenty of my coworkers uh, have done that. So 
it always feels like we're up against each other as as CMSs, right? WordPress does this better and Drupal does that better. And we really have, you know, genuinely passionate people in both communities. Are we really that different as communities? No, definitely not. Uh, well, I go back and forth on that question. Uh, in my time at Pantheon, so I've been here three years, and the first uh, few WordPress conferences I went to, I thought to myself, wow, these these differences are so completely exaggerated. I've been deep in Drupal for years, and I've been hearing that WordPress is totally different, and, and they're still on PHP 5.2. They they have different spacing rules. Uh, how, how could we ever work together? And as I, as I went to, I think it was... Uh, WordCamp US, the, basically the, the DrupalCon equivalent in 2015. I went to some contributor-like days uh, before the main event and, and just thought to myself, oh yeah, these, these are developers working, with, working in uh, a GPL, LAMP stack, CMS, trying to solve pretty much the same problems for pretty much the same sets of clients. And, and we need to break down these these walls that don't need to, to separate us. And in those three years, I've, I've gone back and forth, like I said, a, a little bit thinking, well, th- there, are, there are some differences. WordPress, I think, has, has done a much better job of keeping the end user in the community. Uh, there, there aren't many decisions made in, in Drupal core uh, made by people whose job it is to use Drupal, like purely through the UI most of most of Drupal is is driven by people who interact primarily with the code and that just changes the the priorities changes what gets built i think it's one of the main reasons that wordpress has uh, just continued to to grow in its adoption while uh, drupal is at a similar spot uh, to what it was years ago what do you think the top things are that we can learn from each other as a community yeah, I think the the main thing I would like to see Drupal focus on as far as a lesson from WordPress is <clears throat> is to keep that focus on the main end user. Uh, as I look at, say, the uh, the initiatives that are currently happening in uh, in Drupal 8 core, a lot of them are, are sort of two sides of the same coin. So there's there'll be an initiative that it's developer-focused and then a, a separate initiative that's basically what that will mean for the end user. And in WordPress, those would just be one and the same. Uh, and, and actually, in, in WordPress right now, there's, there's pretty much just the one core initiative of getting this, uh, this new Gutenberg WYSIWYG editor finished and, and merged into core, whereas Drupal is, uh, I think, working on literally 11 mm. or 12 different initiatives at once. Uh, and as, as far as what, um, what WordPress could learn from Drupal, the, the modernization that's that's happened in Drupal's PHP code base has has been beneficial. And the fact that the WordPress is still on PHP 5.2 uh, holds holds some things back. Yeah, it, it certainly seems to. Uh, have you heard of the Twin Cities open source CMS unconference that Tim Erickson and Wilbur Ince are putting on? Yeah, Tim was telling me about that uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it's 
a Saturday in October? Yeah, I just found out about it last week, and um, we have an email out to Tim and Wilbur. I'm hoping to be able to get them on the podcast um, so that we can record something about that. It's It seems to be the the natural evolution of these two or more open source communities living together, trying to talk to each other, right? Um, it feels like this is a way to get ourselves off of our respective islands. Yeah. In, in Drupal, we've, we've talked about getting off the island so much. And like that was basically the, the metaphor we wove through that, uh, that DrupalCon presentation at, at New Orleans, that Drupal has a, a twin island, essentially, in WordPress. WordPress also has the same kind of getting off the island conversations because they know that they're about just as isolated from the, the wider PHP community, perhaps perhaps even more so because there's there's not the the composer bridge in the same mm. way that there is in, for the Drupal community to the rest of the PHP mainland, as it were. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's um, and it's not just WordPress and Drupal, right? I mean, there's Joomla. Joomla still has a presence in the market. Yeah, Joomla. Joomla's still around with a, a pretty decent market share, but I, I, it, it must just be my my filter bubble that I seem to very rarely encounter people using Joomla day to day. I mean, of course, my my job is to work with developers who use Drupal and WordPress, but I. For, for the market share Joomla has, I'm surprised I don't see it. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised too. I, I, when we first started uh, working for clients, when I first started 10.7, we built a WordPress site, a Drupal site, and a Joomla site. And it, um, I kind of did that to see what the major differences were and where we would hitch our bandwagon, so to speak. And Joomla, I remember being... Um, it felt like it was um, solving all the problems in all the right ways, and and I just, I guess I just lost touch with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Joomla never really clicked for me. It must have been Joomla 1.5 at the time in in 2007. Yeah. So a after hearing that person on that Arts and Business Council panel say Drupal is what you need, I did some more research and I came across Joomla as a name and you know, kind of did the same thing of trying to figure out. Can I build the same basic functionality in WordPress, Drupal, and, and Joomla? And it seemed like I could, but Drupal just clicked for me in a way that Joomla never yeah. did. Uh, never felt the same level of comfort in the admin UI, the, the way information architecture got built in Joomla just didn't click for me the same way it did in, in Drupal. So Pantheon is not supporting Joomla just yet. Correct, correct. I, I suppose because we are a, we're basically providing PHP, uh, we're providing a database, there, there probably is Joomla running on Pantheon somewhere. That's a good way to do it, right? Uh, yeah, we, so the, we, we added WordPress years ago, partially because I mean, this was before I, I joined Pantheon, but as I, as I understand the story, one of the, one of the major agencies using Pantheon basically figured out just how to, how to make it work and, and told the people at, at Pantheon at the time, Hey, we we got WordPress running. Are we allowed to do this? <laughs> and and Pantheon basically figured out, well, if you got it working already, we should we should make our real support for WordPress more mature. Uh, there there are people who run Symphony, pure Symphony applications on Pantheon, and uh, we 
we don't support it in the same way we support Drupal or WordPress. Like you can open support tickets with Drupal and WordPress, and, and we'll be able to help you to some degree. Uh, but if if you got Joomla running or if you got a Pure Symphony app running on on Pantheon, we simply wouldn't be able to help you if it suddenly broke. And you also support Backdrop, don't you? Uh, that's that's a little muddier in that it's uh, it's something that that runs on Pantheon uh, because its its code base is so similar to Drupal seven. Uh, it runs, um, but it's it's not something that our support team is capable of of answering questions on the same way they're capable of, of answering questions on, on Drupal and WordPress. Uh, so it's, it is in kind of a, a gray area, and that's probably something that uh, we should clarify. Uh, you should talk to Drew and see what he says. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll see if we can prioritize uh, getting more backdrop clarity, because there, there are some backdrop sites running on Pantheon, uh, but we, uh, we don't have it documented the same way we have Drupal and WordPress documented. What are you excited about in Pantheon right now? What's coming up that you maybe can tell me about or can't tell me about that um, is really kind of making you uh, itch? One thing that, that excited me uh, relatively recently was, was hearing about the, the Drupal 9 announcement, that uh, there's suddenly much more concrete information that'll inform how people migrate uh, away from Drupal 7 eventually. I, I released a blog post about that um, last week with, with kind of an EDU focus. And uh, I, th I think the, the Drupal 9 timing announcement will uh, will encourage some people to stay put. Yeah. Uh, basically, take it as a green light to just just stick with Drupal 7 until Drupal 9 comes out. Uh, and some people will, will take the timing announcement, but perhaps more so the release of 8.6 with a lot of front-end or public-facing or, or end-user facing features uh, that I, I think will will prompt a lot of a lot of Drupal 7 site owners to to reconsider I think you're right I think you've hit the nail right on the head there I'm um, I'm excited for it as well it's a really interesting decision to sunset support for two versions at the same time it's supposed to be the case that uh, moving from eight to nine will be the same level of complexity as moving Moving between say eight five and eight six, but we'll <laughs> we'll only know when that actually happens. Do you have a, a, any recommendation for a book that you're reading right now, or a book I should be reading that you're absolutely enthralled with? Sure. So, uh, the Alexander Hamilton book comes to mind because the the Hamilton musical is in yes. Minneapolis right now. Uh, I was lucky enough to see it uh, with the original cast. It was the the best birthday present ever. Uh, the 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 play uh, opened on Broadway in in October of of 2015, which so it was same month as my birthday. I started listening to the soundtrack, thought it was great. Mentioned it to my wife uh, Paige, and she, uh, while I was at Bad Camp that year, just decided, oh. I'll just get tickets. And there was a, a tiny window of time after it opened on Broadway where you could just get tickets. And we, we had to buy them for the next spring. Uh, but, yeah, we were, we were able to see it in, in March with the original cast. Uh, but I, the reason I bring it up as, as a book is because I feel like the book, of course, is, is longer and covers more detail. And the, the part that I, I like about the book that you get to some degree in, uh, in the musical is that these are, these are just real people. 
Uh, they, they get mythologized in, in so many ways in popular culture. Uh, but the, the depth of the book, uh, for me, was one of the best ways of, of seeing the, the regular humanity of the, the Founding Fathers. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm a big fan of Hamilton, and I was able to see it in Chicago uh, last year with my daughter, who basically memorized the whole um, album, the whole book, and also has the book you're referring to. So I, I never really thought about actually picking the book up and reading it, so now I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Well, thanks for the advice, and thanks for the suggestion, and really appreciate having you joining us on the podcast thanks so much for spending your precious time with me well thanks for having me Yvonne so you're Steve Vector on Twitter and on Drupal.org yes so maybe before we sign off tell me about Steve Vector I should have asked about that before how did that come about yeah you know calculus class senior year of high school there was a website we were supposed to sign into, basically a, a forum, and make online conversation <laughs> about calculus. So I thought, well, the username that I should have for this calculus website is obviously Steve Vector, and I should have left it there and and just made <laughs> Steve Persh my my username in other places, but I I did not. So I, I'm Steve Vector, I guess, for the foreseeable future. That's awesome. So Steve Vector on Twitter and on Drupal.org um, and, and, and on, on GitHub. GitHub WordPress.org, pretty much awesome. everywhere. And I would assume you have stevevector.com as well. Oh, I do, yes. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. You've been listening to the 10.7 podcast. Find us online at 10.7.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, this is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening. <laughs>